Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, lead pastor of Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more about Alive Church or Pastor Derek, please visit alivechurchoc.org or derekdunn.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform at Alive Church OC or Derek Dunn OC. life all about. It's about being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. But are we representing Christ in the right way? You know, the greatest thing that we, we should, to, to, should represent, it's not just the good news, but it's the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he's restored us into relationship with him. And in much of the church, we don't always represent Christ very well. We represent Christ of, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? You have to come to church. You got to do this, got to do that. You got to give, you got to serve, you got to do all this stuff. But, but that's the, the outward effect of being impassionate with someone. It's like getting married. You got to be faithful to one person. Yeah, amen. Come on, you got to take out the trash. Yeah. We don't get excited about that. Yeah. You, you know, you, you got to be there for one another. You got to be committed to one another. You can't be married and live as a single. Come on, no wonder people say, I don't want to get married. But they don't talk about the blessing and the freedom of marriage. Come on. And those that are married, we, we get to do life together with a person. We got someone who's got our back. We got someone who's committed to us for better or worse, for richer or poor, and sickness and health. Pastor Troy left out the part of the story. Pastor Ann was praying in Israel. Bless that man, Father. <laughs> Bless our life together, man. That's what happened. That, that, that giving was part of it, but the praying woman behind you pushes you over the, the top. And so, you know, it's important for us to, to, to see the blessing in that. And so as we represent Christ, what are we representing? We, we need to represent a God in the right way. And we need to be an ambassador for the Lord. Jesus is building his church. In Matthew 16, verse 18, he says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. What does he say? God is building his church. But he's the architect. How does he build it? It's not upon Peter's body. The Roman Catholic Church, you go to Rome, they have built St. Peter's Cathedral on his body. I've seen it. And on the tomb, that's not what he was saying. That's the church. What is he saying? Based on revelation that comes through the Holy Spirit. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to Peter, but, but the Holy Spirit. God is building an organic body, his people, uh, people coming together. The church is not just a building. Thank God for this place that we have, but come on, the carpet's getting dirty. We need to get a, you know, so carpet's cleaned. Stuff happens, and, and don't get attached to this building because in the next three years, we're probably going to have another building. I'll say we will have another building, so don't, don't miss, and we may have a buildings after that, but the church is not the building, even though it's important for us to come together, the church is us as a people coming together. So God is building his church, and we are the church. The church is actually the Greek word ecclesia. Someone say ecclesia. ecclesia. And we've learned this, but for those that are newer, uh, ecclesia is a Greek word that's defined out as this, a called out assembly or a, a congregation. It's actually a contradiction. Because a congregation speaks of people coming together, but it's a congregation of people coming together that are called out. So I say it this way, God calls you in to call you out. He calls you in so that you can get restored, so that you can get taught, so that you can get trained, so that you can get equipped, so that you can get support in the place of agreement that's a place of power for the purpose of calling you back out. 
But much of the church, we miss out on that. We want to come in. It's about my blessing. It's about what God's going to do for me. It's about my family. It's about my children being raised in the Lord. All of those things. And nothing's wrong with all those things. God wants to bless us. God wants us to be healthy. But as we're healthy and strong, it's so that he can take us as seeds into the, and put us back in the world and we can be salt and light and, and we can begin to be that leaven that on a positive side leavens the whole lump. Jesus taught about leaven. He said in the negative side, a little leaven, you put a little bit of leaven in bread, it yeast, it, it changes the whole context. It causes it to rise. But what God's is saying on the positive sense, I put you back into the world to begin to influence and begin to change with what I put in you. So we're called in to be called back out. Are you here? And in 2 Corinthians, Paul begins to kind of reiterate this call to us as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And he's talking to Christians here. Are you a Christian? Amen? That means he's talking to us. In verse 18, let's read together verse 18 to verse 21 together. Ready? Starting now. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This morning, I'm going to break this down because this is very important for us because really, what's the call? Many people say, if I'm a Christian, the call is to be a disciple. And that's true, but it doesn't stop there. And so what is our Christian life, our Christian faith uh, really about? What does God want from every believer? Well, he wants us to be a disciple. Amen? So we're disciples who give him complete control of our life. The Bible says that the disciples were first called Christians. So if you call yourself a Christian, you got to be a disciple. Are you here? So who is discipling you? Who is there? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We all need to be disciples because we all need someone speaking in our life. Paul told Timothy as he disciples to preach the word with boldness, to correct, to rebuke, to exhort, to comfort. If we're just by ourselves, we like the exhortation comfort part. We're always all right. People say, I'm all right with Jesus. It's people I can't stand. I'm all right with Jesus, but I just don't like the church. Well, Jesus loves the church. He's building the church. There's a, there's a conflict there. Yes. Because when we're at, on our own, how many of you know we only hear what we want to hear? Yeah. That's why the Bible says iron sharpens iron. When you get around other brothers and sisters, God speaks through his body. Yeah. And sometimes you got sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so or people got our back that are telling us stuff that God doesn't like. Yeah. And sometimes we get upset with them, so we leave church. But guess what? God will find us. And we run into another sister so-and-so, a brother so-and-so, and and they're speaking the same thing. Come on, we go from job to job, and the bosses are speaking the same thing. Why? Because we got issues in our eye, which sometimes we need someone to help us with, because we only see the issues in other people, not in our own eyes. It's hard to grow alone. And we need people to be there. And again, they're not taking the place of Christ, but Christ is the head, the body 
Every joint supplies, the body speaks. And God's put delegated authority in the church, Ephesians 4, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So I got a problem. I don't like pastors. I don't like prophets. I don't like evangelists. I don't like apostles. I don't like teachers. But I got no problem with Jesus. You got a problem with Jesus because these are his representatives. It's like a person saying, I got no problem with God, but I just don't like my dad. I don't like my mom. They're trying to control me. Why? Because you're immature. Control is not a bad thing when it's done with the right heart. Are you here? Because if you just eat ice cream and potato chips, you're going to end up a couch potato and sick. I read this you know, article that just came out, the most unhealthy snacks. I was depressed for the whole day. Come on, all the things I like. But thank God, I had to eat my greens. I had to have protein. I had to, my parents say, go outside. I don't want to see you until the sun starts going down and the street lights come on. Get some exercise. Get out. You know, think, I didn't like it. There was stuff my parents told me I, I didn't like it. You, know, there's a, you say, there's a generational gap. Now I realized there was a gap in my brain, in my thinking. My parents knew more than I thought. They, are you here? But so we don't like authority. We don't like, what, because we, we want to be on our own. But what is that? That's the, the root of sin, which is rebellion. We just want to do what we think is right in our own eyes. Are you here? So God puts authority. God puts things in. And, and it's a blessing from God. It's God's extension towards us. Of his goodness. That's why his idea is a family. And I'm not saying some parents aren't perfect. I understand. I come from a divorced family. I don't have perfect parents either. But they try their best. And it's still God's idea. It's God's plan. It's for family with a healthy mother and a father to train the children the way they should go when they're old. They don't depart from it. In a church to have godly leaders that are equipping us and training us so that we can be mature and take on the stature, the nature, the fullness of Christ. There's some people in church for 30 years and they're still baby Christians. Crying all the time. Wah, I don't like this. Ah, the usher. Ah, the children's church. Ah, give me milk. Make me feel good. Pat me. Bounce me. Are you here? Come on, let me do it. If I put Patrick over my back right now, I probably couldn't do it. <laughs> and just burped him like a little baby. It's okay, Patrick. God loves you. Y'all would look at me and think I'm crazy. What's wrong with that pastor? Why? Because he's a grown man. Yeah. And Paul says, you're grown men and women. You should be teaching others and you still want milk. Yeah. That's the problem in much of the church today. But God wants us to be disciples. And we need to let him take control. The second thing God wants from every believer, and he wants us to be servants. Yes. Who we follow his example and we demonstrate his love. By what? Serving. God so loved the world that he gave. He served humanity by giving his son. Jesus said, you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, be the servant of all. Yes. And I love our church. We're a serving church. Come on, we're serving. Yeah. And, and I love our team. And, you know, I just want to commend, even while I've not been, you know, in the pulpit. And, you know, we've not missed a bump. People have been bringing the word of the Lord. Pastor Troy, you know, blew it up it's at, at, at our first uh, Wednesday. Pastor Anwin brought a great word. Pastor Susan came back. We brought a great word. She was away for a month, three weeks. You know, Chris brought a great word. Everyone brought such great word. Amanda, come on, let's give it up for our team. Give honor to honors due. Amen. I'm like, oh, I could get used to this just coming and sitting and saying amen, you know? And, uh, but I got, a pl I got a voice too. But, but God's raising up some churches, you know, there are a thousand people and they might have a person who can cover one weekend, but then what are they going to do? They got to get guest speakers. 
People, some of my friends around the world, like they saw me in the sling and what's going on and they're like, what's going on with the church? Who's preaching? I'm like, our people. Why? Because we're raising up people. The, the church is, the strength of the church is not in the numbers of people sitting in the pew having pneumonia. Yeah. <laughs> the strength of the church is in the sending power. Are we equipping people? How many people are doing ministry? How many people are, are, are supplying yeah. and doing that? And so that, that's, that's, that's great. We, we want to continue to focus on that. But it doesn't stop there. Thirdly, what does he want from every believer? God wants ambassadors to represent him in the world, not just in the church world, but in the real world. And then when I first got married to my wife, some of you heard this, and we'll probably share some of this in the marriage uh, you know, uh, thing. Go ahead, sign up. I want to pitch that a little bit. You know, there is a cost to it. We're not making money from you. The cost is for your lunch your refreshments, and then we're going out for dinner. It's not we're catering in the vision room. We're going out to a real restaurant with three-course menu, drinks, and do it so you can date your wife. Come on. And so that's what the cost is coming. So don't be cheap. Invest in each other. And the price is per couple, okay? And we're going to, it's going to be good food. It's going to be, we're doing a nice Italian dinner. We got private rooms and it's going to be a time, women can got time to go do their makeup and come out and come on, let's date our wives and, and have fun together among couples. Are you here, amen? So I encourage you to do that commercial break. All right, so, but be an ambassador in the world, out in the real world. When I got married to my wife, you know, we, she started coming around the green room and mixing around the ministers, and I was in, you know, in, in senior leadership, and she asked me, she's like, do you guys talk about anything else but church? And I was like, not really. Yeah. And she made a statement. She's like, you guys need to be connected to the real world. Yes, and and it, it hit me. And I understand that, but sometimes we're always around many, we're always doing conference, we're always in church, we're always preaching, but what's happening out in the real world? There's a disconnect that's there, but we're called to the real world. It's easy in the church to be a Christian. It's easy to say amen, it's easy to say hallelujah, it's easy to, to sense the presence of God, but we're called to go out to the real world and be an ambassador. Tell your neighbor, say, you're an ambassador. What is an ambassador? Chris kind of talk, talked a little about this last week, talked about putting on the armor of God, how God's prepared us to go, but we're called to be an ambassador. What is an ambassador? Last week we learned it's a diplomatic official of the highest rank appointed and accredited as a representative in residence by one government or sovereign to another. It's usually for a specific length of time. And the second definition is this. It's an authorized messenger or representative. So when we're ambassadors, what is it saying? We're representing the highest rank. We have God's stamp of approval. We're representing the kingdom of God, his government. Who's the sovereign? It's Jesus Christ. Are you here? And that's who we are representing, uh, and, and we're authorized to go forth by God. So who are we representatives of? The kingdom of God. But can you imagine someone being a representative of the United States? We live here, so let's use this. And like, oh, I hate our government. I hate our president. You know, I hate our country. It's terrible. How could we go and represent, if that's, if that's your heart towards this nation, please don't be our ambassador. Please don't represent. You know, and I'm, I'm a bit biased. I'm called here. I love America. I love California. I'm not leaving. Everyone's like, people are leaving. People, I'm not leaving. There's a, I'm called here. 
I'm passionate here. I, when we first moved into town, we would fellowship with some pastors. and like, oh, I hate these Southern California. Oh, I hate Orange County people. Oh, the Christians are this and they're that. And I'm like, why are you here? Yeah. I'd hate to be your pastor every week where I sit in and you just tell me how terrible I am yeah. and how much you don't like me. I, I love California. I mean, where do we have weather like this? Come on. Nowhere in the world. I mean, I'm a, I, last week I said, Pastor Les, I was looking, he's in Ohio, bless his heart, great man of God, and it's like below zero there, snow everywhere, you know, it's freezing, people sliding all over the roads, and I have 65 degree weather, I'm sitting in my backyard. Thank God for where we live. Are you here? And I'm not just saying be materialistic, but thank God for where we are. I love we're international. I lived in some places and I tell them, you know, I traveled to Singapore and they're like, where is that? Is that near Shanghai? And I'm like, yeah, the same, as close as London is to San Diego. Like people, but here people are international. We got people from all ethnicities and, and lifestyles and people, come, you know, from all different nations that are here. I mean, even in this room, look around the room. I love it. We've got such cultures that here. We got Hispanics and the Latinos, and we we've got you know people people from Brazil. I understand that they don't like to be called Latinos, so the Brazilians, you know, and, and we got Asians, we got African Americans, you know, we got some whites, we're minorities, and and, the, and the, but I love it. That's Southern California. And if I left you out, Koreans or whoever you are, we got people from Africa here, and like. I love it, but that's the kingdom of God. That's where we live. That's how our church should be because if you walk out on the street, that's what you see. And it's beautiful. I love it. Are you here? If I'm called to just one person, I don't think anyone's called to that, but I'm in the wrong place. But I love people. I love salsa. Come on, I love my chili. I love Chinese food. I love Asian food. I love soul food. I love love food. Come on. And I love the diversities that's there and the culture and the music and all, all that. Why? That's why I get to pastor where I'm at because God's created me to pastor the people I, I pastor. I mean, plus we're, we have a multiracial relationship, you know? People come because why I love the nations. I love the different cultures. God's put that in my heart as a little boy. Are you here? And so we're, we're called to reach those that we're passionate about. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But God has authorized us to go. So in Matthew 9, verse 35, the Bible says, Jesus th- th- uh, traveled throughout all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. So Jesus is looking around at the people out in the marketplace, not in the synagogue, not in the temple. And he's moved with compassion. And he says, these are like sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. And he's like, we need to pray for more workers. He had 12 disciples. And so what were the disciples thinking? Probably like most of us. Oh, Lord, let's pray for laborers, Lord. Let's grow the church. There's 12 of us. Give us 24. Lord, there's 24 of us. Give us 75. Lord, let's grow. And, 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 and that's how we normally think. But if you go down to chapter 10, verse 1, what does he do? He calls them. He tells them, pray to the Lord of harvest to raise up his laborers, because at that time, Jesus was the one preaching. At that time, Jesus was the one praying for the sick. At that time, Jesus was the one casting out devils. And what is Jesus saying? You need to get a heart for people out there. Don't pray, God, oh God, raise up an evangelist in our church. 
oh God, let more people come in so they can win the loss so I don't have to do it. Are you here? And most of the church is that way. Here I am, Lord, send someone else. Oh Lord, there's such a call to, to the ministry. Lord, raise somebody up. And God's saying, I want to raise you up. Yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are an ambassador. So Jesus commissions his disciples in Matthew 10, verse 11. Jesus calls the 12. And he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of diseases. So God's desire is that men and women, young and old, will rise up and be his ambassadors. Will rise up and teach the good news. Will rise up and begin to be moved by the people around them that are like sheep without a shepherd. So what is our role as ambassadors? There's no shortage to the amount of people that need Jesus. As we look at Orange County, the statistic is less than 20% of people are attached to a local church being discipled. People may say they're Christians, but what does it mean? I go to you know, church and watch a performance on Christmas once a year and I'm a Christian? That's not what it means to be a Christian. You're not a disciple. You're not serving. You're not being an ambassador. That's, that's a contradiction. And they have no idea what it means to really be a Christian because it's not being taught. Are you here? Before we, you know, attended, started our, our church, Susan and I, we visited several churches. And of course, you get on their mailing list. 11 years later, I'm still on their mailing list thinking I'm a member. Why? There's no relationship. There's no, there's no discipleship. There's no empower. That's not the church. Again, the church, the strength of the church is built according to God's pattern. Jesus said, I will build my church and I'm doing it my way. So what do we do? When we build a church, we say, okay, let's not have miracles. Let's not pray for the sick. Let's not pray in tongues. Let's not do it. People come and they're like, you, know, you guys pray in tongues. That's a bit weird. That's not weird. That's called normal. Read Acts chapter two, first chapter. Read Acts chapter one, verse 27. Wait until you receive power. You're not normal. We're normal. Read the book of Acts. How are you building your church according to? And we're not here to tell people how to build their church, but I want to build it the Jesus way. Well, what? We've got people empowered by the Holy Spirit because we need the power of God in this day like no other. The greatest lie of the enemy is cessationism. Which cessationism believes, and many traditional churches believe this, there's no baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's no tongues. There's no miracles. We don't cast out demons anymore. We don't do all of that. That was only for the early church. It's not in the Bible. Jesus said, I've given you the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit is for you and for every generation until I come. Last I noticed, Jesus hasn't come back because when he comes back, I'm going. So the gift of the Holy Spirit, how terrible would Jesus say to his disciples, I'm not going to leave you alone as orphans. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to be the parakletos like I am, representing you. But then after 30 years, the rest of the church, you're orphans for the next 2,000, 3,000 years. Think about it. What kind of God would do that? Then what? He loves his disciples more than he loves us? We're not disciples? So we're orphans now? Waiting for Jesus to come back? It's not even in the Bible. Are you here? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said the gospel of the kingdom will be preached until the end. Are you here? People say, oh, here we go. People say, oh, well, you know, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit but not speak in tongues. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says the evidence of you being filled in the Holy Spirit is you speak in tongues. When they came before the apostles, the Gentiles, the only sign that they accepted that the Gentiles had been saved 
was that they spoke in tongues. People say, well, you can prophesy. The Old Testament, they prophesied, but they weren't baptized in the Spirit. You can speak in tongues and prophesy, but the one thing, the one evidence was speaking in tongues. That's what the apostolic council looked at. They said, if they're speaking in tongues, they have to be baptized. How can we say they're not saved? And how can we forbid them to be baptized in water? And people teach, well, oh, you don't have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to speak in tongues. You can, you can have all the other gifts, but then none of them, they never do. I've never been to a church where they, they say that and you see any of the gifts of the Spirit operating. So we have a theory that doesn't work. But let me tell you, when I pray for people to get baptized, nine out of 10 speak in tongues the first time, pray in tongues and start getting activated. That's the early church. And so we got to stick with the Bible. We got to build the Jesus way. The people in the world are looking for reality and the power of God. We don't need theory. We don't need just good teaching. Thank God for the great communicators out there. But let me tell you, if communication would have saved the world with all that we have, the world would be saved already. But everybody's got that. The devil has good communicators too, sometimes better than the church. Are you here? It's not about communication. Paul said, I don't want your faith to be in my words and my mere enticing words, but I want it to be in the power and the demonstration of Jesus Christ. That your faith will be in God and not in man. Are you here? And so we've got to get a place and thank God for communication. We need to preach. We need to communicate. But let me tell you, someone said this, all religions preach or communicate good. That is true. You read the Bible, you read the Koran, you read the, the Buddhist teaching about enlightenment and coming and being a better person, you read all the, the different teachings, they all preach good. Some of y'all are getting religious right now. <laughs> but what's the difference between our faith? We don't just have a book of good words, we have a God who came from heaven, became man, came and became with us, took our sin, So now it's not just about us trying to follow a rule book of 66 books. Come on. We can come and God sees the righteousness of God in us and we can boldly approach the throne of grace. We don't come and people say, well, I'm just a sinner. You're not a sinner. If you've been saved, God calls you a saint. You might not be living very saintly right now. But when God looks at you, that's how he looks at you. And his grace is sufficient for you. And that's not a license to sin. It's a license that covers us by the blood because of what Jesus done. It's a free gift of righteousness. So what? We can boldly approach the throne of grace and come before God in faith. And the Holy Spirit is working in our life, bringing us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. That's the gospel. It's a cross-centered Christ-centered gospel that leads us through the the death and burial into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've been raised up to sit together with him in the heavenly places, the Bible says. So we can come. We're sons and daughters. Don't be praying, oh God, I'm not worthy. Oh God. You're saying Jesus Christ wasn't good enough. We are worthy, not because of our worthiness, but because of his worthiness. And be bold to come before God. Even when you made a mistake, don't run from your father. Run to your father. Don't run from the light. Come on, run to the light. Walk in the light, John says, as he is in the light. And God will work in your life. Are you here? 
That's what the world needs to hear. That's what they need to see is the power of God. The world's looking for the supernatural. You go to the young people's section. I was at Barnes & Noble the other day. I went for a walk with Susan. And I saw Barnes & Noble and been there in the, in the youth section. Every section, vampires, demons, werewolves, witches. Go and walk through. That's all they're reading stuff. And guess what? My boyfriend's a vampire. You know, my best friend's a werewolf. They're a witch and they're all this stuff. And then we get upset about these satanic clubs coming up in schools. Come on, the problem is not the club. And, and, and I said this in the first service, I'll say it again. Don't be fighting to shut down all the darkness and giving the government that responsibility. Because once you give government power to shut things down, they'll shut you down too. It's not the, the, the government's job to keep this thing out. What is the job? Come on, let's go in with the light. And when you turn on the light, you drive out darkness. Come on, let's get some young people on fire, filled with the Holy Spirit, moving the gifts of the Spirit. You want to set up your Ouija board over here? Come on, we got a prophecy board over here, and we're going to preach the gospel and preach God's word into your life and your prophetic destiny. Come on. That's what Paul did. He went and he preached. And, and what do you have? You have all the, the girl who was filled with a demon and was, was fortune-telling. And what happened? When the light came in, he took authority and he took dominion. And they said, could you leave? Because now you're here. Since you showed up, this girl can't do her thing anymore. The demons can't operate anymore. And Paul looked and said, she's filled with a demon and cast the demon out of her. We don't need to be afraid of the devil. When we show up, we're driving out darkness. Come on, take authority of every communication of demons, every occult practice. Come on. When I drive by one of those places, I curse it in Jesus' name. I said, Jesus will increase and you will decrease in Jesus' name. Don't complain. Well, Laguna Beach, all the weirdos are down there and they got all these handwriting and stuff. Why don't you go open a booth? Come on. The good news booth. Put a big Jewish star up there. They don't know what that is. Come on. Have something there and begin to begin to move it. That's what the early church did. They walked in dominion. They went in with the power of God so people's faith would be in the reality of God. We're going to be having our second Wednesday in a few weeks' time, two weeks' time. We're going to be praying for sick people. You should get excited about that because when we pray, they're going to get healed. But bring some sick people. Are you here? Every day I'm praying, my doctors say four to six months recovery. I'm declaring healing every day, two months in Jesus' name. That's where my faith is. You know, and I, I believe my wife's been praying for me. I've been praying. I've been declaring. Why? Healing's not instant. I love miracles. It happens like that. But healing is speeding up the process. Are you here? The doctors say six months, two months is still healing. And so I'm standing there. But pray and believe. But so well, we're gonna no one shows up. Well, God didn't heal anybody because there's no sick people in the room. Invite somebody. So turn your name and say, he's talking to you. Lord, raise up laborers to invite people. No, no, no. You're getting commissioned. You're an ambassador. Tell your neighbor behind you. Say, you're an ambassador. We need to bring the power of God. Not weird, not spooky, but the reality of who God is. 
When people come into church and God gets their attention and starts reading their mail and starts speaking to them. Yvonne was here a few months ago and she was you know, going through some things I didn't know and the Lord gave me a word and I prophesied over here. I said, you thinking how you're gonna manage ministry, how you're gonna manage all the things you're doing, but God says your baby's gonna come easily and smoothly and it's gonna be a sign and a wonder to you that God's with you and he's got grace for everything else. She went into the hospital and 30 minutes that baby popped out. 30 minutes. Come on, give God the glory. Now, I'm not saying she's probably changing diapers and feeding. I'm not saying that baby's going to walk, you know. You got that part as a caregiver. But 30 minutes that baby popped out. They didn't even have time to give her pain medicine, anything. Popped out. She's like, that was speedy. Because that's the word of the Lord. That's where God gets glorified. Are you here? And so, so we need to celebrate those things. And I don't take the glory for that. I'm just obedient to open my mouth. I'm the donkey that he rides on. Are you here? You can be the donkey too. We don't have to have it all together. Are you here? But we're loving Jesus, walking with Jesus, and wanting the power of God. Are you here? God's called us to be ambassadors. Three callings of the ambassador. Number one, ambassadors for Christ, they're called to speak and act with his authority. And we need to understand that because the problem we have many times is the going part. We, we don't have a problem with preaching, with teaching, with all of those things. And, and we have a church where te- we teach the word. We've got five curriculums, 30 weeks of, of Bible studies to get you grounded in your theology and your word and practical Christianity. We've got a four-year Bible school to, to get you grounded and get you activated. I mean, we've got connect groups going on. We have, we're a church that preaches the word of God. But let me tell you, we can have the best teaching and best connect groups of any church. That's not going to impact our world. Because they ain't even in the room. We have great praise and worship. How many of you think our team did great this morning? Give them a big hand. Come on. We're still growing. We're pursuing. But like, you know, when, when Grace is on the piano, I mean, she just, it moves my heart, you know. Stephen up here, Jaleesa was bringing the fire. And you know, some of us were getting stirred up. You were here at 11. Jaleesa was in the church doing media last night till almost midnight. Showed up at 7.30 for sound check this morning. She's up there with her hair flinging around, praising God. And you're like, come on. We have the breast praise and worship, but come on, people still come in and look. Come on, let's get our moving. We're tapping our toe. Well, she's spinning around and doing her thing and, and giving her best to God. Does she feel like doing it? Probably not. Are you here? But, but what do we do? It's not the praise and worship. It's not all those things. We have a great preaching, great teaching in our church. But that's not going to win the world. We've got to go. Matthew 9, verse 37, verse 38. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. He commissioned them just like he's commissioned us. In Matthew 28, verse 18, he said this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've given you all power and authority on heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then he says, teach them to observe the commands I've given you, and I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. So again, the teaching, the commandments, the baptizing in water, that's the easy part. We do it in Connect Group. Are you here? I love baptism times. It's a party. We're celebrating people making a public declaration for Christ. But all that's the easy part. What is the, the part that's difficult? The going part. 
And we need to understand that because God, when we go, we're going into a world that many times is, is not uh, conducive to our faith, to our belief system. People have no problem being in church. Keep the religion out of here. You know, keep it in the church. I'm not bringing religion. I'm bringing relationship. And if you can talk about your nails and the best nail salon to go to and where you got your hair done and your favorite restaurant, I can tell you what God's doing and what I experienced on my weekend, which is more exciting than getting your nails done. Come on. Nothing against all the ladies. What, what's the problem with sharing good news? That's what we're called to do. But why don't we do it? Because we don't understand we're ambassadors. As an ambassador, you've been given the authority to speak on behalf of Jesus. And when you're speaking, it's not your message. People get upset. Well, what if they reject me? What are you worried about? I'm not, it's not your message. It's his message. And if they respond, they're not responding to you. Look at me, how many people I got saved and brought to church. And, and we honor people and we thank God for that, that, that are out doing the, the gospel. We want to celebrate that. But it's not you. Yeah. What did you do? You didn't die for nobody. Right. You didn't shed your blood. Right. It's, it's his life. It's drawing people to Jesus that, that, that makes the difference. Are you here? So he's promised us that we have his authority. He's promised us that he'll be with us. He's promised us his power. We're just the messengers. So forget about what people are going to think. Forget about what people are saying. We're called to go. If they reject, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting his message. As an ambassador, as he represents his nation, if he's not received, that's not his problem. He's, it's the government that he represents. And so we want to get better at what we're doing. But at the same time, what, what's the fear? Don't worry about being rejected. The disciples got rejected. But more people are going to hear the good news and receive it than reject it. Because people are looking for the reality of God. They're looking for the supernatural. And I love in our ministry, my greatest passion is people encountering the supernatural presence of God, his love, his saving power. That's the greatest miracle, his healing, the gifts of the spirit. And and God is real. It's not religion. It's not doing the rosary and all this thing and stand up, sit down or act in a certain way, dressing a certain way. It's a relationship with a God who loves us being restored to our heavenly father. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Amen. As ambassadors, number two, we have to have a passion in order to persuade others. Are you excited about Jesus? Rate your passion level. Come on, I'm not about making noise right now. How passionate are you about for Jesus? If you're more passionate about the car that drives by than you are for Jesus, something's wrong. I'm a foodie. I love food. I love culture. But if I'm more passionate about that, I'm more passionate about lunch than I am about coming to church something's wrong. Are you here? I'm not here to condemn you, but, but what are you feeding on? What are you looking at? What are you spending your time with? That's what you're going to be passionate about. Where's you putting your treasure? Where your treasure is, your heart is. If your treasure is in this kingdom, in the world's kingdom, and we need to operate, we need to do business, but you're just trying to be wealthy and trying to just go after riches and silver and gold where moth and rust will destroy, you're going to be miserable. Because you heard me say this before, what drives the market? Greed and fear. You're going to be full of greed. Oh, the market, woohoo! more, more, more. Let's get in now. But all of a sudden, the bottom falls out, and now you're depressed. In fear, I'm going to lose everything. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? It got real quiet right here. 
Put yourself, I'm not saying be wise and do it, but where is your security? Where is your heart? I love Pastor Troy's message this morning. Is your heart in the house of God? We can trust God with our eternity, but we can't trust him with our tithe. Think about it. It has to do with our heart. If we're not passionate, how are we, passionate, how are we going to persuade others? I love people, and, you know, we had some uh, members that were telling us, and they, you know, ended up calling into their insurance company and talking and doing some business, and at the end of the call said, hey, why don't we come to church this Sunday? And the person didn't only come to church, they brought two other people with them, two other colleagues. What's your excuse? I'm saying that person must have been pretty passionate over the phone. If you really have no friends and you don't want to go to a Starbucks and hang out, you can't even go to the grocery store and talk to somebody, call your customer service line. <laughs> the harvest is plentiful. Are you here? In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11, he says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. This is our calling. This is our mandate. As Christ has done everything for us, be a believer. Come on. Love God. Be excited about his word. Grow in your relationship with God. Be a servant. But you got to be an ambassador. We're all called to go. And if we truly believe the gospel, and it's not just the good news, it's the great news, how can we not tell people about what we're experiencing in our life? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16, he said, For I preach the gospel. I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe am I if I don't preach the gospel. What do you say? It's a necessity. Even though people forbade me, even though people tell me they're going to lock me up, and they eventually did, woe am I. I got to tell somebody, because this is the good news of what Jesus has done, that he died, that he rose from the dead on the third day. He ascended into heaven. He raised us up to sit together with him. He, he gave us his righteousness, and he's coming again to judge the he- heavens and the earth, and we need Christ to be in Christ. How passionate are we, are, are we about telling people We can tell people about our favorite restaurant. We can tell people about the gym we go to. We can tell people about where we got our nails or our hair done and all that. And I'm not saying don't do that, but the thing we should be most excited about is what God has done for our life, what Jesus has done for our life. Can you say amen? Amen. So what do we learn so far? What do ambassadors do? Can we put up on the screen? Number one, the first thing that ambassadors do is what? They, They speak and act with authority. We're going in the, the authority of God. Every place that our feet shall tread, we have dominion. Number two, what do ambassadors do? They begin to share Christ with passion. And they're persuasive with others. Our passion is what persuades others. And then finally, number three, and I like the musicians to come. Ambassadors for Christ bring God's message of reconciliation to the world. We've got to share and preach the message of reconciliation to the world. It's not our job to tell people their sin. Come on. The fish is dirty when you catch the fish. You work on cleaning the fish later. That's God's business. It's not about us condemning the world for where they're in sin. Jesus didn't condemn the tax collector. He went and had a meal with him. And he preached about reconciliation. He didn't condemn the prostitute. He showed them mercy and kindness. Not far from here, Amos Sebel McPherson at St. Angela's Temple. You've heard me share the story, and I love studying the great generals of God and, 
especially in our territory. And she would have prostitutes come and sit on the front and God would heal the prostitutes. And Christians would get a bit upset. How come I didn't get healed? Because they would just come with open hearts and she preached about reconciliation. And as their hearts opened up, not only did they get saved, but God healed their physical bodies. Come on, that's the message that we preach. In 2 Corinthians 5, what do we look at? It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, someone say, that's me. We're a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. All of this is a gift from God. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. Even our, what God's done for us, the work in our life, it's a work of God. And God's given us this task. As we have experienced it, we have a task of reconciling people to Him. For as God was in Christ, that's what His job was, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He reconciled the world Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Someone say, I'm His ambassador. He's given you the message of reconciliation. God is making his appeal through us that we speak for Christ when we plead people, come back to God. And notice it says, come back to God because people don't know that God's their father. People don't know that he's their creator. People don't know he loves them. It's really coming back to God because God created us to be his sons and daughters. But because of sin, we're separating. But God's saying, come back back. It's not just for the backslider, even though they can come back. But coming back into a God that loves them. A God that gave his life for them. I, hear, I just sense the heart of God even as I say that. But how passionate are we? How are we there? Sometimes, you know, we say this. You've heard me say, St. Ignatius said this. He said, preach the gospel, but only use words when necessary. And sometimes we say, well, I don't need to preach. I don't need to tell people. I just... Let my life be an example. But he said, use words when necessary, because you still got to use words. Just being a good person is not going to save the world. There's good people that are not Christians. They show up for work on time. They do their job. They're honest. But that doesn't mean that they have the gospel. There's a time we have to tell people there's a message of reconciliation. And yes, let our light shine. Bring us before men. But as we come before men, we got to tell somebody. We've got to preach the gospel because just emulating our behavior, just being a good person doesn't get us to heaven. We're all sinners that are separated from God and we need to preach and tell people the message of reconciliation. People say, oh, you know, at the dinner table, two things you never talk about. Don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion. Think to myself, that's the two most important things you should talk about at the dinner table. And I understand that we're not going to offend people by our opinions, but we need to speak up and and share our values. The dinner table is an intimate place. I tell you, we talk politics at our table because we want our kids to know what we stand for. We want our kids. I'm not talking about which politician to vote for, and I'm not pro-Republican, pro-Democrat. I'm pro-Christianity, and vote for the candidate that 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 aligns with my values. And it's not going to be 100. percent That's how I vote. Are you here? And there's good people on both parties. Are you here? There's corrupt people on both parties because the heart of man is desperately wicked. Are you here? 
but I vote my vow. We know what we stand for. We know what the Bible says. We know why things are right. We're not trying to manage people's lives, but we know what is harmful to the society because God has told us in his word. We need to talk about that. And we need to talk about religion. Why do we believe? What does God say concerning things? How do we treat people? We have to love them. But love is and acceptance is not agreement. I love my wife, but I don't agree. We don't agree all the time. Oh, it got real quiet here. You can disagree to disagree, but you still walk in love. Now, on the major things, you need to get counsel sometimes. But do we agree everything? No, I don't agree always, you know. I like blue. She likes orange. I don't like orange. But you can still wear orange. You like orange. I'm wearing orange today. Come on. <laughs> A little bit. Like, we don't have to agree. We don't have to be exactly the same. Being together, it's not a clone where we all talk and walk the same and parrot each other. But we walk in love. I can accept you as a person, but I can agree to disagree with your value system because there's a conflict. But it doesn't make me angry. I'm not hateful towards you, but I can stand firm and agree to disagree, but still be accepting. Are you here? And so, in Jesus Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. We have the greatest news of what God has done that we need to share, but we need to get the message out. And unless we explain it to people, they're not going to understand. People have a wrong concept of who God is. How do you know when you say, why don't you come to church? Why don't you get saved? Come hear about Jesus. Oh, I'm not ready yet. Why? Because they think coming to God is going to mean their life is over. They can't have any fun. They're going to be like the guy in the movie that's nerdy and irrelevant and doesn't have money. Their car's always breaking down. I don't want that. But who's represented that to them? Hollywood. Are you here? Who's represented it? I mean, you, they make all these exorcist movies. You've got some wimpy, you know, religious guy with a collar and the demon's beating him up. Come on, let's make a real movie. And go and show people the power of God and not glorify the power of the devil and moving for Smith Wigglesworth. You heard me tell the story. He was in Africa and a demon came into his room and was moving his bed around. He said, get out of here in Jesus' name. And the demon left. And two minutes later, he said, get back here and put the bed back where you found it. <laughs> That's the authority we have. The devil has no power. Jesus has defeated the command. Let's, let's get the right idea. Even the church, sometimes we watch those movies. Oh, I'm so scared. And be careful of this and be careful. We're walking in fear. God's not giving me a spirit of fear. Well, you got some statue or something. Cast the devil out of it. If I like it, I'm going to cast the devil out of it and sanctify it. Come on. Are you here? I'm not, I'm not talking about something that's in, in the demon worship. But all this stuff, you can be careful. That we're all in fear walking around. And oh, what book I got in my house. And I sanctify my house. I, I, I fill my house with worship. How do you drive out the devil? Fill your life with worship. Fill your life with his presence. He won't want to be around you at all. We can be so devil conscious. We're not God conscious. Whose side are we on? Who is defeated? And I can go there and, you know, next week I'm going to talk about the authority of the believer. Because we need to know our authority. We misquote even the scriptures. The Bible says the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life. How many of you heard that verse? That's wrong. The word there is not devil. The word there is thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come you have life. If we think it's the devil, we think the devil can steal from us anytime. And God's trying to give us life. And the devil's trying to steal. And there's this tug of war going on. That's not a defeated foe. The Bible says the thief has come. And as you read the chapter, you know what the context is? 
It's people who are religious, who don't teach the Word of God, that begin to rob you because you don't know your authority, you don't know your place in God, you don't know what God has done, and Jesus says they're thieves. He was talking about the Pharisees. They've come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you have life. And we built whole theologies glorifying the devil and taking the Word of God out of context. Oh, I just roasted some sacred cows just now. Go and read it. I read it. I only learned this three years ago. And I was preaching it wrong. Yes, the devil's like a roaring lion, but if you have no place and give no place to the devil, you submit to God, you resist the devil. He ain't stealing nothing. He ain't killing nothing. He ain't destroying nothing. He's fleeing from you because there's nothing in you. Are you here? The devil had no authority of Jesus. Everything that the devil did to Jesus, he let him do. Jesus could have spoken up at any time and come off the cross. He could have spoken up at any time, but he, because God's agenda was taking place. Are you here? And, and we live in a fallen world. But don't glorify. The devil is not God. He's a creative being. He can't be there everywhere. Well, the devil was at, he was hitting me last night. Well, he was hitting me at the same time. He can't do that. He can't be more than one place at one time. Are you here? We need to get our theology right. And many times we blame the devil for our own ignorance and for our own disobedience. Are you here? The devil didn't break my shoulder. People, wow, pastor, that, how could that thing happen? What broke my shoulder? The fact that the slope wasn't good and it wasn't checked. And I ran into dirt and rocks. That wasn't the devil. That was me not seeing it and people not taking care of the slopes like they should have. We live in a fallen world. But what was God? I didn't break my neck. I didn't break my back. I'm still up here preaching after a few weeks. And God got everybody else to get up here. And God makes all things work together for good. And we're still going strong in God. Are you here? And I'm believing. I said publicly two months. Why? I want God to get a testimony. I'll say, God, I said it. Now you got to do it. Come on. Because I'm out there in faith. Come on, that's our faith. It's peculiar to the world, but it's a life that we have victory. Our victory is not dependent on what's happening around us. Our bank account, who's president on the outward things. We have victory in Jesus in our heart. Come on, and we've read the end of the story, and we know who wins. Come on, let's be ambassadors. Let's stand on our feet. How can we do that over the next six weeks? Number one, I want you to commit to pray. And in our connect groups this week, we got you to pledge families. It's 2024. We asked you to reach out and believe God for four families to come. Are you here? Now, if you're single and it's not families, it's one person, four people's fine. But many of us, we're old adults. We know families, four families to come. And out of those four families, I'm believing God, at least one will come. Yes. Are you here? Why? Because if you're praying every day, and this week we learned the five-finger prayer and how you can pray five minutes for people in your, in, that you're believing God for. If you pray five minutes a day for 30 days, how many minutes is that? 150 minutes. If there's 31 days, it's longer than that. You're praying an hour and a half for a family, for four families. How many believe if you pray for an hour and a half, God's gonna start moving in people's lives? Come on. Second thing you can do, share your testimony. As you're praying, 
reach out, go for a coffee, find an opportunity, go to the gym together, find an opportunity and, and, and talk, find out how they're going in their lives and say, how can I pray for you? And tell them how the power of prayer in your own life, tell them a little bit. Don't be religious. You don't need to preach a five-point sermon to them. Just share the reality of God in your life. And many of them right on the spot will want to give their hearts to the Lord. Don't wait for Easter. Can you imagine? Oh, I'm gonna wait. Oh, I want to pray for you right now. I want Pastor Derek to pray. Wait for five, be five more weeks in darkness. No, today's the day of salvation. Pray. The most exciting thing that happened, come on, we had everybody, had one family come and one family showed up and we had 200 families show up on Easter, all saved and not one person responding to the altar call. I'll be jumping. Why? Because you guys did it. That's the best thing that made me the happiest. We're still going to have an altar call. There's still going to be people who respond, but don't wait for that. Are you here? Share your testimony. And if they're not ready yet, invite them to come. We have two weeks. Someone say two weeks. We've got a first-class drama production the teens put together called The Verdict. It's going to be amazing. It talks about the court of heaven and what's taking place in heaven through the power of Easter. The following week, we're going to have our 11th anniversary, a short service. We're going to turn the parking lot into a, a celebration, have activities for the kids. Invite them to come. Come on, someone say pray. pray. Someone say share your testimony. Share your someone say invite. invite. Can we do that? Come on, I want you to lift your hands. Let's begin to pray right now. Come on for these families.